you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Making America great again. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. Election Day. It's the Election Day podcast. Is this the political podcast? This is our politics podcast? We're going to save that for the politics podcast. Let's save it. Yeah. Wes is right. Put it in a drawer. It feels like, though, if we ever were going to have one, today would be a logical day. Why? Well, Why do you say that? The election. Well, it is a big day. That's your only factor. <laughs> it's also Come up with more, Greg. Well, it's a big day for America, too. Kevin Patra's birthday today. It's a fork in the road game. Oh, yeah, Patra. Patra's birthday. Wow, that's a big one. I wonder if he Coming takes a day off from lifting on his birthday. No, never. you never do never. that. He you don't want to start off a new year of your life by losing your self-discipline. Well, he fell, lo- he fell in love in his prior year. So, I mean, I feel like things are going on a good trajectory. This is my... Uh, um, last show uh, until Sunday. I won't be doing the Thursday show because, boys, I got a boy on the way. Mm. Tomorrow it's going down. Hands mm. part two. We're fired up for you. <laughs> Hands is part two? That's what you're naming him? Uh, we have a name in mind. Because you already have a son, Jack, for new listeners. So he, yes. he, Jack would be the part one. Jack's my You're part zero. Uh, part zero, I suppose. <laughs> Um, I have a name. Emily and I have a name picked out. Uh, my wife said she wants to wait until she sees the baby before she decides that is the name to go with, which, again, to me, almost all babies look exactly the same when they're born. So I don't that, quite get that, but that's, that's a mom thing. It's a mother thing. Got to let her have that, that space. Dan. At the same time, I still have a, a brief window of about 24 hours. We're inside 24 hours um, to come up with some other names, if you guys have any in this room. I think we do. Go okay. ahead, Mark. Well, well, why don't we save it? You want to save it for we'll a little save later? It for later. I mean, you, you think we wouldn't to. have suggestions? We what, do. Why were the kissing cousins looking at each other? Did you guys like figure this out together? No, I didn't think that my suggestion should go first. Okay. Why? Because it it's not a leadoff hitter. You want it, you wanted to close with yours? No, it's more of a two-hole hitter. Move the runners along. <laughs> no, I came with a handful, right. and I mean, I'm assuming you're going to pick the one you like most, and Emily will just slide in and agree with whatever we come up with. You I never s- know; things things yeah. can get crazy in the if host- it's a hospital good name, now. If it's a bit like, for instance, because of the election, I've heard 700. Oh, you should name your baby Trump Hansis bits. Yeah, you know, I'm a little over that bit. So no, no political bits. Didn't oh, come so with that. Names. Wasn't a good bit to begin with. No, not a good bit. Didn't come with that. All right. Today's uh, Around the NFL podcast sponsored, of course, by Mr. Flames Economics Class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. Big show to get to uh, to uh, dig into today. The Monday night football game between the Seahawks and Bills. One of the best of the season, if not, dare I say, the best primetime game all year. Uh, so we'll break down everything in that game. We'll hit up some news. Um, uh, we will also... Uh, you know, we're at the midseason point. Now all game, all teams have played at least half their schedule, so we will uh, make some more sandwich props. 
Mm. Two props each at the midseason point uh, as we look ahead to the second half of the season. And then the play. Mmm, mm, tasty. Gross. And uh, hit up the TNF preview, Browns versus Ravens. And, of course, and we can, of course we're not going to forget this. Mark Sessler, like a true broadcaster, teased on Sunday's podcast <laughs> that he had a big announcement to make on the team of ATL. So team that's coming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we are where we are. We'll find out what it is. where we'll be new. We'll be next. Yeah, it's what it is. All right. But let's start with a little Monday night football. From the link in Seattle, uh, uh, just a tremendous primetime game. A game, as Greg, you noted in your excellent debrief column, the NFL really needed in terms of a shot in the arm. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks and Buffalo Bills uh, played a game that went right down to the wire. Russell Wilson playing tremendous football. Jimmy Graham looking like the Jimmy Graham we remember. Two first-half touchdown passes, both one-handed. And then Tyrod Teller looking like he was every bit uh, worth the investment the Bills made it in him and then some, keeping the Bills uh, within striking distance late into the game, even after the Bills got jobbed at the end of the first half, which we'll get to uh, some referee errors. But this is how the game ended with the Bills facing a fourth and goal from, uh, I believe, the 20-yard line or thereabout. Taylor empties the backfield. They got to go for broke. Takes the shotgun snap, three-man rush. He's going to slide left. He looks. He fires to the end zone. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. No flags. The Seahawks defense holds, and Seattle is going to win. Holy catfish. (laughs) What a game. What a stand by the Seattle D. Steve Rabel, K-I-R-O. Final score, 31-25. Chris Wessling. Steve Rabel from K-I-R-O. His voice sounds eerily similar to Connor Orr's K-pounding voice. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he should take a job with the Panthers next year. Chris Wessling, you wrote up our What We Learned. What did you learn from this game? Well, you already said it was the best primetime game of the year, and that's because it featured some of the league's best players in their their finest moments of the season. Russell Wilson's first half was as well as he's thrown the ball all year. Jimmy Graham, I was just thinking about this as I was recalling the highlights. Had one of the best games I've ever seen a tight end have. Whoa. It was phenomenal, the, the degree of difficulty on these catches with Bill's defenders trying to hold his left hand the whole time. They literally are, were holding his left hand in the two touchdowns. The hurdle over Stephon Gilmore to get his team fired up and show that he's back from his knee injury. It, it might not be Kellen Winslow in the overtime game against the Dolphins, but one of the best tight end games you'll see. And yet the Bill's defense responded – in the second half, the Seahawks, after I believe that first drive of the second half, uh, didn't get as much going on offense. We kind of thought, we, I was here watching it with you, Wes, this game might end up being a blowout. But what was fun about it was Tyrod Taylor matched Wilson. I mean, he had that one interception, which was a miscommunication. But other than that, Tyrod had his best game of the year. And they, these, they're, they play a fun style. I mean, when he is shaking Cliff Avril, who's a great pass rusher, like it's nothing. Like just, oh, okay, sorry, I'll go see you over there. I'll, I'll just run right past you and whiz one right down the sideline. It's fun to watch. 
you guys, I watched this game and agree with you. We needed a primetime game like this, and it delivered in full. In a matchup that if you looked at the season in back in week one, you would not. it's an odd matchup and it's intriguing, but you would not have pinpointed this as that game, and it delivered in every possible way. And I don't typically – I don't want to just pat you guys on the back all the time, <laughs> but – the write-ups. When you <laughs> look at you? Wes's what we learned, and it goes that was nine a big one. points deep, it's because this game had so many things happening. You mentioned LaShawn McCoy rising up as a potential MVP name. Jimmy Graham and also the officiating. That was buried in this thing because there were so many other things happening. But, Greg, you wrote a write-up on the insanity before the half. <laughs> Let's get into it. Wow. Uh, because it was 28-17. The Seahawks are really going nuts on offense. The Bills were in Seattle territory and attempting to get a late field goal to cut it to one score before the half. 53-yard attempt for Dan Carpenter. Richard Sherman blazes offsides and, offsides and rams into Carpenter, who gets uh, you know knocked to the, the turf, writhes around in pain for a couple seconds. Looks like he was hamming it up. Uh, to get a uh, get a call, and because the sideline um, trainer for the Bills, it was a chain reaction. So Carpenter feigns a serious injury. The sideline trainer sees him writhing, sprints on the field. Only the Bills don't have another timeout. So the the officials make their first mistake by only calling it offsides and not a personal foul on Richard Sherman, which means that then they're in play is a penalty on the Bills for sending someone onto the field when they didn't have a timeout. So the end game is that the kicker had to leave the field for one play uh, with three seconds, and they only got five yards out of it. And to Rex's credit and his coaching staff, they had the smarts to then say, okay, let's spike the ball. Not enough smarts to bring the offense back on the field to spike the ball. Got a little dicey there with having some non- That was confusing. Yeah. But anyway, they brought they spiked the ball down to one second. That allows their kicker to come back on the field. Then the refs blow it a second time, as Dino Blandino would tell us, uh, by not getting away from the ball in time and not giving them a, a free a full uh, game clock uh, to get a kickoff. And the Bills get flagged again. Marron, uh, well, for the first time, this time for a delay of game, back to the 54-yard mark, and then he misses wide right, and just an absolute mess of a situation. Did I get all that right? It, it was tough to write that post. I had. I to, was wondering. I had to start just numbering it to say, here's what happened in order, because it was very confusing what happened. But what's not confusing is that every time there's a Monday night game in Seattle – it seems like Dean Blandino is apologizing for some official's error afterwards. Last year, you remember the bat out of the end of the end zone against the Lions, K.J. Wright. That was a big mistake. And then fail Mary, of course, back in 2012. And everything goes the Seahawks' way. Everything seems to work out for the Seahawks. And the Seahawks fans were irate on Twitter that that they were trying to defend the Richard Sherman penalty. It's like, come on. I did a radio segment today, and the question they asked me was whether refs are making these huge mistakes in Seattle because the crowd is a factor. And I laughed the guy off the <laughs> air. I was like, "What, what are you talking? Nah, this is why I was fired. This is why I bury the referee shenanigans at number nine and nine points. I, I know maybe this might be annoying if you're my boss, but I can't stand these the griping the next day over the calls. Just get over it. A football game happened." So then Sherman has an interception early in the third quarter, starts jawing at Rex, and then Rex had this to say after the game. 
Well, no, he's mean mugging like he's doing and, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, the guy's a great player. You know, it was a ridiculous play. You know, no question. Then he's over on the sideline basically taunting us. So I had some words. I mean, I think I said that, you know, you're too good a player to act like an, like an ass. To which, to which Pete Cowell responded with this. I, I just wish he'd coach his own team. That's it. Just coach your own guys. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a Rex guy kind of, but I'm on Rex's side on this. I think everything that everything he was in, he was wronged on this night. Yes, Sherman, there was a dirty hit. I, I've killed Rex, you know, ten thousand times, but I completely vibed with his frustration. <laughs> and I, you listen, Richard Sherman is a provocateur. He knows what he is, and he, and he certainly in that moment, after what they dealt with before halftime. Rex Ryan did a great coaching job to get this team to come into Seattle and play with this kind of energy. It was a fascinating game because they were prepared. And I was one of the people that laughed at the coordinator switch earlier in the year. This offense is exciting to watch. Had a 10-minute drive. They're hard to deal with. Exactly. Some of the drives that they put together were Rex Ryan dreams. And so I give the Bills a lot of credit. The same way that the Falcons went into Seattle, lost a game, but it made you think almost more of the Falcons. I feel that way about the Bills to some degree. And then one last thing, I think it's a lesson that sometimes these trades that go down – you can't judge them after one season. LaShawn McCoy, Jimmy Graham, we're starting to see incredible production from both guys, and maybe you got to be a little bit more patient with some of these swaps. It's a promising showing for the Bills' offense, certainly, but then you balance that out with the loss of Eric Wood, whom their center, whom, whom Rex Ryan said he believes is the best center in football, and one of the big keys to their running game, which is so successful. And I think you have to be a little concerned if you're the Seahawks in terms of their defense. I think they're going to get it together, but there was a point in this game they had given up, I think, 10 or 11 scoring drives out of out of 14. I mean, the, the Saints scored six straight times on them. Uh, That's a unheard week, of uh, in the Seahawks in the last five and, years. Yep. And the Bills went up and down the field on them. Now, they made the big plays in the end, and I, and I think it helps – you know, point out how valuable Michael Bennett is. I, I know Cam Chancellor's gone too. They've, they've played without Cam Chancellor before. It's not just that they're missing Bennett, but I think Bennett's their most valuable player and is probably one of the five or six most valuable defensive players in the entire league. And, and you've seen that show up. I, I did forget, though, as we were talking about all the insanity. Yes. We forgot about my favorite quote of the year. I mean, it was a rough night. Uh, for Walt Anderson. Oh, Walt. But, but old Walt, I mean, I'm going to... a dentist, by the way. I'm, I'm going to... Or full-time refs. <laughs> I'm going to remember what, what Walt said as he was like a parent trying to, ho- you know, herd a bunch of class, <laughs> class kids going to school. The half is not over. There's three seconts on the clock. I like the way Greg says, like, going to school, and then points to the glass. And I he like had that. to say it again. He had to say it again because no one listened yeah. the first time. It's what like, a scene. It was annoying in a way because it was... Um, such a great game, and this was the big takeaway, immediate takeaway of everyone was what a mess the end of the first half was. But the big picture was what a fun game to watch. And yeah, I like wet. I like West putting that down bottom in the st- low in the story because so much more happened than just that. If you if you had someone from let's say England asked you why doesn't the NFL have full time referees because they're absolutely astounded by this fact, what would your answer be? Just because they never have. It seems like when you're now like a, a ten billion dollar year business, eleven, eleven, it's time to have full time referees. I, I couldn't agree more. Let's make and Sydney full time while we're at it. <laughs> now we're getting in trouble. Hashtag make Sydney full time. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on, guys. Good talk and do some news.
Leave Tom Brady alone. Leave him alone. He's a great guy. Oh, that's a perfect place to start, because let's start at the throne of sleaze. Uh-oh. Oh, no, not this one. We come in peace. They seem friendly. I say we trust them. How great for our planet. Yes. Today is election day. We will know by by the time you're listening to this, you will know most likely who the next president of the United States of America will be. How great for our planet. (laughs) How great for our planet. And uh, on Tuesday, before the election, um, or on Monday night, I should say, Republican presidential nominee Donald J. Trump read aloud a note he said was from Patriots head coach Bill Belichick uh, during a late night rally in New Hampshire uh, here is what the Donald had to say. Congratulations on a tremendous campaign. You have dealt with an unbelievable slanted and negative media and have come out beautifully. I have always had tremendous respect for you, but the toughness and perseverance you have displayed over the past year is remarkable. Best wishes for great results tomorrow. Bill Belichick. Uh, the letter led to a lot of, a lot of people. Was, oh, this is disbelief. There's no there's no way that Belichick is sending letters. He sent letters to Mark Sessler, and that was cool. And NFL.com slash Belichick letters. Yeah, everything was cool then. It was either, even endearing for the old coach. But th- sending them to Trump, terrible. But Tom Curran of CSN New England uh, reports that the letters did indeed come from the Donald. Uh, Greg, this, this must be a great... Uh, hit to you personally. Uh, Why is that? Tom Brady also in the tank for Trump in a big spot. Has not has not declared who he voted for. He voted, but he did not. Well, know, please declare his wife. His wife not put bury a, your head in the sand. A stop. His his wife denied it uh, on social media. Listen to you. This what is. are you, Trump's press secretary? What's going on here? That was complete. Your thoughts, fun. Greg, as a Patriots fan. Love the art, not the artist. You know, I'm in. I'm in on Belichick. I'm not. I'm not giving it up because of his political leanings. Who cares? I mean, there. I care. I I don't care. Think of all the great novelists that you read that are creeps or that treated their family poorly or who knows. Or think of the former presidents that were racist. There are all sorts of like things. Or drug. This makes my day. This makes my day that Greg's only defense (laughs) is to go down this road. (laughs) To try. I'm just saying. I appreciate Bill Belichick because of what he does. In the football realm. I don't care what he thinks about anything else. Right. Like he's a Bon Jovi fan. You don't hold that against him. Exactly. That's almost as embarrassing. (laughs) Do these guys have more time than we assumed? Who, the coaches? These coaches. I mean, he's rattling off, you know, long-winded letters to presidential candidates. I I thought that when that whole suck for luck thing happened and there was a Dolphins coach around week 12 acknowledged he had never heard of the phrase or anything that there was this narrative created that there's such and such a bunker mentality. They don't even read a newspaper, but Bill Belichick very plugged in on the media coverage of Trump, the so-called media bias out there. I mean, a lot of hot takes from Bill BB. Mark, how about the idea that for a period of, I would say four weeks or so, you uh, were the most famous recipient of a Trump of a, a Belichick letter, and now after just a four-week reign, 
you've been wiped away from. Yeah, it's it, it quickly right out of the history. Quickly books. came to a quickly came to a close, and then it, I saw other people tweeting about the letters they got from Belichick to everyone everywhere's got. Wait, it's like why, really? why did I even why did I even write this thing? What a waste of my time. What a waste of time. How many how many tweets did you There's get? just all sorts of people. Oh, he wrote me too. He wrote me as well. It's, it's like, like the this guy is like I didn't even know that. Email. When just, when did that pop up? That well, was, I don't, you know. I, I mean, feel badly for you. You have to feel slightly less special now. Listen, oh, I say I actually I find it interesting that I I sat on that for 20 something years and then had I sat on it for 20 years and five more weeks would have been non news. So, so really Trump is take, riding really your coattails. Well, I don't want him. I'm not associated with with any, with either of these people. Good luck to these candidates. There's a I have a th- yeah. theory on why Belichick likes Trump. I mean, this is a little payback for Trump single-handedly sabotaging the NFL's biggest competitor of all time in the 1980s, the USFL, which <laughs> Trump sunk from the inside. Oh, calm down, Wes. It's the USFL. <laughs> That's an interesting theory. So Belichick, That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard Wes get pumped up about. Belichick, such Small an potatoes. NFL loyalist. How can he run a country when he can't run a football league? Mm-hmm. Maybe more immediately, the whole, like, Tom Brady's a great guy, save Tom Brady, could have had some impact, I mean, too. I should be wanting to move on past this because it's an embarrassment. But uh, it, is, it is interesting that he wanted to even put this out there. That he well, he's in New Hampshire. He's in the heart of New England. No, no, no. I mean, it's interesting that Belichick. Oh. He writes that letter knowing, okay, maybe he's going to ask if I, you know, knowing it might become public. Trump said he asked for permission. He confirmed the story. So now well, we're believing Trump. Well, he confirmed the story to Tom yeah. Curran, and I'm always trusted. I don't Tommy think Boy. Belichick is probably one of the bigger. I don't give an f what anyone thinks, guys out there. That's fair. Let's move on to a different embarrassment, shall we? The uh, New York Jets are dealing with uh, more uh, issues. <laughs> uh, Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson, their two first-round stars on their defensive line, um, were benched in the first quarter of Sunday's loss to Miami, of course. And then uh, we learn a little more context. Uh, both uh, players had been repeatedly late to meetings. And this from NFL Network's uh, Mike Garofolo. Is it Garofolo? Garofolo. Garofolo. Mike G. According to Mike G, uh, Wilkerson uh, had missed the team's walkthrough before a week seven game against the Ravens. And as well as a planned gathering in the defensive meeting room in which uh, the Jets players or coaches or someone within the company had uh, purchased a birthday cake for Wilkerson to celebrate his 27th birthday. So he missed both the walkthrough and his own birthday party. And uh, only the Jets, my friends. Only the Jets. Uh, the circus is in town. I like that you said that should be on the tombstone of the Jets' lost season. He can't even show up for his own birthday cake. Yeah, this uh, yeah, uh, Garofalo's quote, Garofalo's quote, Mr. G's quote. I'm told <laughs> they even had a cake ready to go for him, and he didn't show up. Uh, very v- big-time concerns on my uh, end as a Jets fan about the character of uh, both Richardson and Wilkerson, because if you follow the team closely, you know obviously that Richardson has had his troubles uh, with the law, but you also know that Wilkerson is one of those guys that you will hear more than any other player. Uh, Wilkerson left the locker room without making comment, things like that, which Mm. some people put more stock into it than others. I I, I think it's an accountability issue, especially when you're one of the biggest stars on the team, and especially – after you sign a mega contract that makes you one of the highest-paid defensive players in the league. It, 
can't be pulling that. It's just it's it's not so much a circus or a charade as it is downright depressing that your kind teammates got together, bought you a cake. Probably someone had to decide what was written on that cake. Sure. Thought what flavor into would it. Mo like? Right. What, it's a what, lot of letters, of Muhammad Wilkerson, like? for someone to have to write out at the cake shop. Probably a lot of work. Mo, probably just went Mo. But you're right. It could have been full name. And you don't. And you don't show up. Where this team is floating on multiple levels, and this is one of the more uh, ghastly indications of that. Mm. By by the way, I we, not on the show plan today is our stick in the fork, stick a fork in them segment. Yeah. We've got too much. It's a big show. Got too much show to get to. But uh, I, I'm going to just stick a fork in the Jets. Just because we, just cause we uh, didn't all meet, let's fork them. This is, you know, fork them right now. I mean, considering we forked them three weeks ago. Did we fork them? Yeah, we did. Oh. You're, I like it, though. Greg is just let's re- a dead corpse. Re-fork them. Let's re-fork a dead them. green corpse, and Greg <laughs> is sticking another fork in that The fork that should have been going into the cake? You want to just yeah, stick no, it back Dan into the Jets? Looked, Dan is disgusted at me. No, nah, um, just like you know, plug in on our own podcast. That's all. I was, I was Mark, there. Mark I, and I didn't know it either. Sometimes we're wrong. Yeah, we were. T- we talked about this separate. None of us knew. I thought, I thought Greg might be going somewhere along the lines that if you're going to kill Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for voting for a certain political candidate, well, we know who the Jets owner is voting for. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Did you were attacking there? ownership? Of I, I did not attack. I simply pointed out a very <laughs> obvious fact. That is Mark Sessler, NFL.com, Cubicle17B. <laughs> Not attacking, Culver simply pointing out facts. See, I I would think, Dan, you would, you know, you you put together a lot of the ideas on this show. You would see this thing I just did as an as an opportunity, you know, because oh. sometimes we fork teams and they end up coming back to haunt us. They yes. come back to life. Reforking should be something. Hey, a team we were right about. Let's kill them dead. Uh, Double fork. Yeah. Double I mean, fork. You might. You could also just. Kind of move on from this part of the show. You you got it wrong. We kind of made a little bit of a bit out of it, but and then we could actually just move to the next portion of the show. Fair point. Yeah, you know, Jets are forked. I never mm. fought it. First time Dan's ever wanted to move on from Jets talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let it be stated also that I never hide from any of the Jets' misery either. It is part of our show, and I'll try to you know uh, sugarcoat making, what's going who's on. Who's made that claim? Uh, I have some people on the show that probably think that. One's wearing a brown sweater his girlfriend bought him. <laughs> wow. A lot of I have never. <laughs> look, we talk about the Jets entirely too much, but I've never said that you're not willing to face the music. Yeah. Thank you, Wes. And we talk about the Jets a lot because, you know, the host of the podcast is a Jets fan, just like the Browns. It's part of the show. So everybody that comes at me and says, you talk about the Jets or the Browns too much or whatever, go get your own podcast and maybe you can talk about your team a little bit more. I got your back on that. Ah! <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov has signed a three-year extension uh, with uh, the Falcons that runs through the 2019 season. It now uh, mirrors the same uh, deal that Dan Quinn got. He also has signed a, through the 2019 season. That is how you do business in the NFL, Dimitrov has been with the Falcons for nine years. Mark Sessler, two-time NFL Executive of the Year. And while I won't call it a Howie Roseman comeback, uh, he didn't crawl through uh, two football fields of smelling foulness and come out clean the other side. He did uh, make a nice little run after he seemed like he was headed toward obscurity. He did. It looks good for the Falcons in a similar way 
that the Eagles looked good for, although Hausman was or Howie Roseman was hidden in a shed somewhere in deep Philadelphia, then brought back. That they are these are two patient owners. That they with Thomas Dimitrov, you know, I linked to a story I think writing that piece where it was just less than two seasons ago where his role was downsized to make more powerful um, opportunities for Scott Pioli, the assistant GM, and that maybe Dimitrov was really in hot water, which was deserved, I think, after a lot of really wanting season in Atlanta. But it goes to show you that if you get along with the new coach, you know, he's hired multiple coaches, and then your quarterback starts to play at an MVP level and the offense starts to sing, people get paid. Also, like, it's okay to be in hot water when you're on hard knocks going bike riding with Lance Armstrong. That's okay. He's a, a, he's a nice presence in the NFL. It's good to have Thomas Dimitrov. I agree totally. And and Dan Quinn's got the power. That's one thing that happened when he got hired. He has the final say on the roster. Well, message to NFL media and the NFL at large: you don't fire high-profile vegans. But this, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Credit to Arthur Blank for this, yeah. because they're about to embark on their second era of success under Thomas Dimitrov. They had a five-year span when they averaged about 11 victories a season from 2008 to 2012, two sub-500 years, last year 500. This year, they're an obvious playoff right. contender, and they, they have a bright future. Two losing seasons and eight with Dimitrov, and it's going to be nine now. I mean, that's pretty good for a, a franchise that's are the, lousy. Are the Falcons the biggest surprise in the NFL this year? Wow. I feel like they are. No buzz. I'm Zero not, buzz. There are I mean, we, we said in August, I did, this was going to be a really good offense. Yeah, Wes said exactly that. I don't know if we thought it was going to be, despite a great offense, a team that was going to be dominating that division right now the way they are. Part of the surprise is how bad the rest of that division is. Okay, to me, the Cowboys being the best team in the NFC to this point is a bigger surprise. Most of us didn't even have them in the playoffs when we when we knew Romo. This was Falcons there. team. We is saw not some about things that were them. good, but no one was saying they're going to be that good of a team. Cardinals and Panthers are just as much as a surprise. Team. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on. The Los Angeles Rams are going nowhere fast with Case Keenum as their quarterback, but that doesn't mean that Jeff Fisher is ready to turn away from the quarterback. Uh, he announced on Tuesday that the team, or he confirmed during Monday's press conference, I should say, that Keenum will remain the starting quarterback, not Jared Goff, the first overall pick, against uh, the Jets in Week 10. And uh, Rap Sheet, or NFL Network Insider, reported earlier Monday that the Rams have no plans to make a quarterback change as long as the postseason remains a possibility. Wes, crank up the bit machine. <laughs> Uh, I think what the biggest takeaway here is that the Rams believe they still believe Case Keenum's their best quarterback, and they they think they're in the pennant race or in the playoff race. Uh, Rap sheet said they're not going to change in, until they fall out of contention. So I think you're going to continue to see this for a while. Well, the bit yeah, the bit machine is that everyone that follows the NFL views them as out of contention. So oh, Jeff, that bit machine. Yeah. So Jeff, come on, buddy. You know, wake up. You're not going anywhere with this guy. Get in the kid. But they're one loss behind. I mean, you can see why in their minds they're, of course, they got eight games to go. You have to sell them. They're, one lo- they're literally, well, one loss by, I guess, four, three, and one would be. You don't want your team giving up at this point. Yeah, you have to I sell agree. it to a locker room. They, refu- they-, they refuse to paint Goff as the white horse guy. Well, he's clearly not. Yeah. Nobody who saw him in preseason could believe he's a white horse right. guy. Right, and they, I think this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect him from even anyone saying, oh, here's Jared Goff to save our season. You know, it's a little well, worrisome, I th- but I get it. I get that. 
I I think the folly of the Jeff Fisher Rams era is always believing, you know, you're a few plays away because they're in all these games. He said it. You know, we're a couple plays away from being ten and six last year, but but that's the same every year when you when you play this type of football. That's what's going to happen for just about every team. You could say that. That's true too. I, I the question I have because the, I I think you look at the Rams drafting record and then their ability to develop those high draft picks that they that they've made is is there anyone inside the building if you if I don't have a problem with Goff not being ready if that's exactly where they sit with him but you look around the league and there are multiple rookie quarterbacks playing at a high level is it a developmental issue and if not if he really is not ready is there anyone inside the building saying we took the wrong guy well because t- Carson Wentz was ready in week 1 I you you would hope not at this point and I suspect not at this point I I think they have a bigger problem though that with these home games at the Coliseum for a couple years and they've scored uh essentially no touchdowns in two of those games. I know they had a garbage time one last week and as this just continues on and they're going to be in the Coliseum for a couple years, it's tricky. You also kind of don't want to put Goff out there and if he's bad then that really depresses interest going into next year. So it, they're in a and they're thinking about these things. Of course, they're thinking about these things in the future of their season ticket base and, you know, building up some fans here. Uh, A lot of buzz. All right. That's what's happening in the news. All right. Mark, like one of the great broadcasters, Cronkite, Uh, your Peter Jennings, uh, Dan Rather, Katie Couric, Bob Costas, anyone? Connie Chung. Connie. On the day where we could have our first female president, Yes, Mark. Connie Chung, also a great broadcaster. Mark teased on Sunday that he had a big announcement to make regarding the 2016 team of around the NFL or the team of the around the NFL in general. Mark, the stage is yours. Just going to read something that I tapped out before coming up here about this very subject. Okay. All right, we are watching the Vikings die before our eyes. I will not abandon them, as Dido sang in her somewhat annoying 2003 single White Flag, quote, I will go down with this ship, unquote. I sang that song as well. The Vikings ship. Well, we would play this for you, but with a cadre of antsy lawyers and shadowy league types monitoring our every move, we can't play even a hint of licensed music on this show so as to assure that Mr. Flame's high school economics class, our sponsor, doesn't get taken to the cleaners by some massive corporate vampire. Anyways, my point is that I will not dump the Vikings, but from another angle, life is supposed to be fun. On a day where either a dangerously evil elitist or a cipher in a pantsuit will take over America, we need all the fun we can get. I am proposing a solution for the first time ever, two teams of ATL. The Raiders have proven that they deserve this. Why not add the Raiders to the ride with both teams? This is our show. We can do whatever we want, except play even a note of licensed music per the wishes of our massively money-obsessed overlords. We can't do that, but we can add the Raiders to our lives while not abandoning the Vikings. Everyone wins. Take this offer or deal with the consequences. Team of ATL. That last line was a little bit. Well, because I. Well, the political one was also sobering. 
Listen, I <laughs> refuse to simply just cast off the Vikings. From the very beginning, I said, this is my team. I don't care what anyone else does. Uh, when it comes to the Raiders, though, we're living by this rigid rule that we can only have one team. We've clearly – I advocated for the Vikings harder than anyone. I might have made a massive mistake. <laughs> and if so, why? What, are, what boundaries do we have to live in? Why can't we no. have fun? We, there are no rigid rules because we're beholden to no one. That's the key. And we've even got a sponsor in Mr. F, and that was part of the contract that we're beholden to no one. Um, I don't hate it, Mark. In a way, uh, the Raiders already are my team of ATL, even if I'm on board with the Vikings, only because I get 400 tweets every day now. As do I. Um, so I'm linked to them for the rest of the season regardless. You get zero. Uh, so it's just a matter of whether, you know. You guys want to... I like the concept. I don't know. It doesn't feel that genuine, though, because are you really that excited about the Raiders? I... Are Wes and I that excited about the Raiders? I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i not not excited. They're, they're, they're on my teams that I like to watch, but they wouldn't be in my top four or five. So, right, you guys... so I feel like then it, why, why force the second team? Because are you really that excited about the Raiders? I, I think what I'm trying to create here is a situation where... Are we where, going da- down the rabbit hole? Well, again? no, the Raiders are a constant sticking point, and... Not I, with me. I, it's I not find, really the problem. Not with us. Not, not so with this the Raiders. is the Vikings. The, they got the stink on them once we named them the team of ATL, um, and they've lost every game they've played. And it's, the Raiders have won not every gone game well. they've played since we named the Vikings. Now, I, I'm no football head. You guys know that. I'm just a regular Joe. I'm just a common man, come from a common town, uh, in, in a realm of scientists. And, yes, I got this one right. Let's be honest. I, I got in back in August. <laughs> You're saying Raiders. this after two weeks. This uh, could change I'm completely saying, in a couple well, of weeks. I got in on the Raiders in August. It turned out even they were exciting but not very good in the beginning, and now they're legitimately good and 7-2. and two. I got this one right. You guys want to come on board? Come on board. Well, I no. never have any issues Here, Here's that. the thing. You voted for the Vikings. So <laughs> it's, is you voted for the Vikings. It's a chance for you to correct what you did, I think, too. Your uh, ability to misremember key parts <laughs> of this segment at your convenience is astonishing. The week before I jumped on board, yes. you said, I'm all for the Vikings. I'll do it. I'll do it. So that was one of the key factors that uh, enabled me to jump on board because I knew you were fine with it, and now you're painting this as you were never in the Vikings. <laughs> no. I was no, I did it. it now we like really got a little down American history. Mark loves a it. little American history on the uh, on the day of the election. Why did Gerald Ford pardon Richard Nixon? Anybody know the answer? So the country could heal. Yes, that's why I went forward with the Vikings. Well, that's one narrative. And <laughs> that was absolutely. I didn't want this to go on forever, so I said, "All right, I'll go with the Vikings." And then. The, the S hit the fan, frankly, because then the Vikings lost every week and the Raiders won every week, and it caused issues. Hey, but I was ready to move on with the Vikings. Newsflash. It's week nine. We got a half of the season left. I think the Vikings could still be a playoff team, could still have a lot of fun. The point of Team of ATL is to pick the team that we're all excited about anyways. The Raiders were never getting there. Maybe the Viking, Maybe some people forced themselves to feel that way about the Vikings, too. But I don't feel bad that the Raiders are doing well. We're not just predicting who's going to win. A wise man once told me, people flutter in the wind on everything. There are no men anymore. Wow. And that 
is those are wise words. You stick with the commitment you made. That's the Minnesota Vikings. Even if they lose games, who cares? Well, I'm rooting not, for them. And we're not abandoning the Vikings. That was right. my thing all along was I and I <laughs> specifically said what I wanted was to support the Vikings, which I still do. And I don't want to hear about it from anyone else, which I have endlessly well, that's from this room. You're not going to be able to avoid that. Well, so point being, here is the chance for your <laughs> Gerald Ford healing moment without reading too deeply into that political maneuver. But I have <laughs> muted every single person who has sent me comments about the Vikings as team of ATL, and I will continue to mute them. If I don't answer you, that's why. I care less at this point about the Twitter side of it at all. It was annoying to me on that Monday night game. That was the one time it annoyed me. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I could care less about that. I stated that, and I'm sticking with the Vikings. This is a chance right. for the four of us to do what we want and not care about anyone else. That's yeah. where I'm coming from. I'm, I'm probably the only guy not involved in this discussion because I already do have two teams yeah. in ATL, the Vikings I lo- and the Raiders. Yeah, and I like I like the Chargers to me are kind of I there's too many teams. I got the Patriots. I love the Chargers this year. I'm back in on the Titans. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> I kind of like the Saints. I like the Vikings too. I'm not giving up on them. All right. I I agree with uh both Greg and Mark here. I'm going down with the ship. And I'm with Greg. I, those words sound familiar cuz I could have sworn they came from one of Mark's texts. <laughs> there are no men anymore. Be a man, stand by the Vikings. Tammy Wynette. Well, we all voted for them, so then we, we need to as Gotta a group. Got to do it. Got to do it. So let's stick with the Vikes. All right. Absolutely nothing was resolved here. We could erase that segment, <laughs> and no one would be the lesser. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got it off your, ch- uh, off your chest. That was Mark's official um, <laughs> statement. It's not how I – I was opening the door. No, it was all well-intentioned. It was, uh, it was doomed. It was a great thought. That may be true. It was an olive branch, but that's all right. It was a very well-written statement. It was an olive branch that just got <laughs> flamed right there. It was snapped over someone else's knee and handed <laughs> back to you in two pieces. That's fine with me. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, baby names. What are they? Oh, we've got a – I got a few. We should, I don't – how do you right, Same do for this? the end of the show. All right. All right, let's move on to our mid-season sandwich props. And um, – yeah, we uh, did a preseason sandwich props. Let's not get into those now. Uh, let's save those for after the season. Um, however, uh, what we're going to do now, because we love sandwich props, and if you're new to the show, uh, each of us are going to now make a prediction, two in fact, and then the rest of the group has a chance to either agree with that prediction or challenge uh, the predictor uh, on their prediction, and if they get it wrong or whoever ends up on the wrong side of history uh, will owe that person, other person, a sandwich. And if you make a sandwich prop, you could owe up to three sandwiches if every, all, everyone else in the room goes against your prediction. That is an onion hanger in a big spot, some onions. Walla Walla is a big onion. Uh, giant sweet Spanish onions are good. And a red zeppelin is a big uh, red onion. So here we go. I want some onion hangers, fellas. Mark, get us going, baby. Here we go. The Seahawks will not win a playoff game. That's who are going into the playoffs. I will take that. They will not. So that means, okay, so you don't. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think? means they won't win a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely taking (laughs) it. Are they going to have a home game? 
right? I always going to pick them in an early round uh, home game. Are they going to win their division? A good chance on that right now. Yeah. I mean, they're up. They're up a game and a half or two games. I will take Damn, you on tie. That. Tie ruins everything. If they get it, it almost works to Mark's advantage. If the Seahawks uh, finish uh, well. Get a bye, and then you get a tougher first round, uh, first right. playoff opponent. Oh, I've mapped it all out. Yeah, in mind. no, I like that. I like where you're coming from on this, but I will take you on that. I think Seattle is battle tested. Some issues in their defense, as we talked about earlier. Offense coming together. Russell Wilson getting healthier. Uh, yeah, I think they got I, at least one playoff winner. Oh yeah, I would take it if you had said they get a playoff bye too. Well, I didn't need to go that far. No, it's not even. They're going to be paying me. So did we food. all take it? We all took it. We all took it. Nice one. Way to get us going, Mark, in a big spot. Uh, Sid, are we uh, tracking these? Or we also have gogetmylunch.org, Nick Fortier's great site that not only has the overall standings uh, for both the season all time and our current uh, standing prop bets, but also um, our soundboard. Wes. Tony Romo starts at least one game before the end of the playoffs. I'm going to do the same exact one. Mm. Interesting. Do you mean a playoff game or it can just be a regular season? Any game, game, regular season or playoffs, before the Cowboys season is over. Why does it feel like oh, I wouldn't see even, him at some point? I, I honestly think if I was setting odds on that, that there's only a t- – uh, there's about an 80, 90 percent chance of that happening. I, I, so I, I, I'm not taking that. I, I think Dak Prescott's gonna fall on his face. I I don't think something weird could happen. You know, too, yeah, you it's know? football. First of all, it's a contact sport, so he could get hurt. But more than that, I don't think the Cowboys would have patience if he has a couple bad weeks and and things happen. Well, what if you seal up the number one spot in Week 16 oh, and Romo? Yeah, I just I I'm with Greg. I. I see Romo playing this season. I, I don't have any question about I, it. I just feel like the NFL season has the ups and downs. And I looked at their schedule, not, a, not facing a lot of great defenses, so that, that, will, that could help you out. But uh, if he just had about two bad games, I feel like they, they'd give Romo a chance. Did you um, say start or appear in a game? Start. Start. Okay. I feel like appear would be pretty easy. Yeah, there's a difference. Right. If he was healthier, he would have played in that Browns game, I think. Even if the Cowboys have the NFC East wrapped up in Week 17, you don't think they would send Prescott out for a quarter, or probably would, a, or a series or something. I, I think they'll start Tony Romo if the if I I would throw it out there, and this isn't my prop, but I think he'll start their playoff games when they make the playoffs. If I had to guess between him and Dak, I would guess Romo. Mm. Wow, I don't see it wow. playing out that way. Really? But yeah. I just see Romo getting a start. I don't see that you go 16 games with Dak Prescott. Then you start Romo in the playoffs. That's well, no, I mean, weird. I mean, by then he'll be the starter, is what I'm saying. Mm, okay, I'll. Uh, I think Dak's going to go all the way through, uh, unless there's an injury. But there could be an injury. But I don't want to get involved with that. So I'm going to stay out of this. I'm staying off this one. Mm, now you're making me think I should change my second one to Tony Romo starts the playoffs. Why do you keep on making props when it's not your turn for props? Well, I'm not. <laughs> Just kind of like your third prop, and you're not even up yet. <laughs> think it out loud. That's what we do. <laughs> All right, I'll throw one out. Um, mine are kind of oniony. Uh, I don't feel comfortable because I feel like I'm going to lose them both. But what the hell? You only if you live want once. Big onions, you got to get on your big onion plant. <laughs> That's true. Uh, the, the I will talk about the NFC North, and I will declare a team that I've enjoyed all season and coming off one of their best wins. You don't want to get too recency biasy in here. I'll take it. I'm where I'm at right now. The Detroit Lions <laughs> win the NFC North. I will take that one. I will too. I'll take it. Don't like 
the Packers, too inconsistent. Who knows what happens with them? Feels like sort of a crap division, the so Vikings. it's not impossible. But The Vikings, I feel like, are a 9 or 10 win team. And the Lions have a little bit of uh, mojo. Where are the Vikings getting five more wins? See, I thought about throwing out – again, I, I'm throwing out another bad. I take my chances with the Vikings winning the division. I don't want us rooting against the Vikings, though, no, so I wouldn't want anyone are. taking I think that, that sort of problem. I think the Vikings are probably a 10-win team, and I won't be rooting against them for the sake of this. But I'm saying I think that they can be in the same realm, Lions and Vikings, 10, 11 wins. There's some good mojo around the in the Lions right now. I'm not discounting the Packers either, which not I think at all. Oh, shouldn't. A, I think they're a better team than the Lions, who could easily be 0-9 right now. I think the Packers and Vikings. Wait, so easily 0-9. <laughs> they have wow. been losing every single game with a minute left in the game. Mojo. I mean, Dan, you do have the Packers scoring, what is it, 580 points this season in a, in a previous sandwich bet. So they're going to catch fire, according to your findings. An update I will, on that. They've be scored careful it. with that type of tone, Mark. It's very hard to predict these things. It's all in fun. Uh, yeah, they've scored 198 points, so they're on pace for 396. Yeah, They need to pick it up. What an idiot I am. I was the only person that thought the Packers were going to be I, I don't think it was a year. serious <laughs> shot at you. It was, well, I'm just it was pointing just, out. You know, it looks bad now, but in August it didn't look so bad. It did not. Uh, all right, you're up, Greg. All my sandwich props look bad, <laughs> especially when they're about the NFC South. So I'm going to double down and go back to the dirty, dirty. <laughs> well, what? That's what I call the Dirty South. I'm just making it up <laughs> as I go along. What? Okay. The fans are going to love it. The Dirty Dirty. Okay. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, or John. Either the Saints or the Panthers will make a victorious run to the playoffs after being given up on. Well, none of us gave up on the Panthers. Well, they were one in five. But That's a lot true. of other people did. We all gave up on the Saints because we unanimously forked them after week three. Well, I'm taking the fork back out. Another this segment idea. Not, this is not oniony. Yeah, you're says the guy who bets a little bit. Says the guy who didn't have any uh, takers on yours. It's a little. Well, I'm surprised that. It's like if you it's pick closer one to or the 50, other, 50. But if you pick one or the other, maybe. But you're those are two teams that feel like they have a 50-50 shot to me. Well, they clearly do not have a 50-50 shot. They have a combined record of seven and nine at this point, and it's a crowded field. But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's probably 50-50, one of the two. Greg, if I offered you that sandwich bet, would you take it? Of course not, because I think this is going to happen. So, I, so do I. They're better. That's what I'm saying. I don't think I'm going to. Well, I would never thing. throw out a sandwich prop that I didn't think was going to happen. Oh, I would. If they faced any <laughs> of the teams ahead of them in the standings for the wild card right now, I would pick the Panthers mm. or the Saints. All right. Got to go back to the drawing board. Well, it's that's the one flaw in this game. Is Maybe we go snake trapped, and Greg, kind of a Greg has a chance to redeem some himself. Some level for Greg in the standings there potentially, because if you're not hanging onion, you basically save yourself three losses most likely. It's also like the no, that's not true at all because the it's just as likely, if not more, that we're all completely wrong and none of them are going to make the playoffs. Just like when I threw out that the Broncos weren't going to make the playoffs, and you're like, nope, too smart for that. None of us took it. You know, they're probably going to make it. No, there's a good chance they don't now. All right. They're in there. One they're more round. Right now. You want an onion hanger? Yes, I would like one. I need an onion hanger. I mean, the rest of this is going to be a disgrace after what I've seen. Ooh, I like this. There will be no Super Bowl 51 winner. <laughs> That's oh, ridiculous. No. What do you it's mean? It's not ridiculous. What do you mean? Lots of stuff's happening in this country. So are you saying the Super Bowl won't even be played? Didn't say that. Uh, 
What? There will not be a winner. What's hap- What's happening? Take. I don't need to decipher what's happening. You do because we have. Well, you're just handing out sandwiches. You're out on the street corner and you said, "Hey, would you like a ham and cheese? Would you like a meatball?" Because not saying that. Yeah, no, you are because there will be a Super Bowl and someone will win. We'll find out. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not passing down a free passing up a free sandwich. No, I don't like that. It's kind of cutting out the legs of the segment a little bit. What's the catch? It's not. You, you don't care if you lose, is what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. This if this if I see what I what I perceive to be the future, and I will be correct, you will have to deal with it. All right. Well, I, I think we'll all take you up. I'm going to be hearing from Dan about this around 9 p.m. tonight on text, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> but got to roll with it. What? Well, like I'm in the delivery room. Like Mark, I didn't think you took that in the right direction. That's exactly what will happen. <laughs> I want to know what the catch is. What do you mean? I told what the catch is? He's basically, you know, the world could end. He's we wouldn't get any chaos. sandwiches. You're an agent of chaos. There will be a, there will be a tie and societal then... interruption. Yes. <laughs> All right. There's will... really no way to win that. I'm, for I'm you. on the fence here. <laughs> you, you swayed me. <laughs> this is the lowest moment for the kissing cousins. <laughs> I'll take it. There will be a Super Bowl winner. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> All right, Wes, you're up. <laughs> you want onions? I think it's brilliant. That was, an onion. that was an onion hanger. That was an onion hanger. You try these onions, you'll like them. They're real sweet onions. It was a cantaloupe. I got your onions right here. Patriots don't lose another game. Hmm. Tom Brady doesn't lose a game all season. Well, that's different. And he wins Mark's Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, both of them. They win through the Super Bowl. They win through the Super Bowl. I'll take you. So they go 18-1, and one, but this time it ends in a positive way. Well, you've, you've, yes. caught, you've caught me. A man has to live by a code, Wes. And <laughs> Who are you quoting? Dalton uh, from Omar. That's Omar from the water. But, um, but I try to do as well. I don't ever pick against the team I root for, so I cannot take you up on that. Mm. I mean, I want them to do that. Uh, they will lose a game. They'll probably win the Super Bowl. They might lose this week to the Seahawks. Yeah, they could. I mm. think they'll have a stumble. Like they're, and I don't know if I buy into this, but there is a lot of talk about their defense is not even playing well, and they're catching a lot of teams at the right time, including Seattle, uh, who won't have Michael Bennett and don't look like the same team right now. I'm so sick of this crap. Uh, <laughs> there will be at least one more loss, in my opinion. So yes, I'll take you on that. That was Mark. Good. Yeah, I'd taken you. Oh, okay. You could lose two sandwiches if the Patriots win the mm. Super Bowl. Oh. Woe is me. That would be the biggest <laughs> cat, you know, the biggest issue attached with that happening. Uh, all right. This is kind of a callback to something that came up a couple minutes ago. Two teams will make the playoffs from the AFC West, but the Broncos will not be one of them. I am not feeling good about uh, their quarterback situation. Hmm. Once again, Trevor Simeon looking like uh, a subpar player, and I don't think Paxton Lynch is on anybody's white horse. A, little white, a lot of white horse talk this week. Uh, and I think it could cost them a spot in the playoffs. Where's the white horse talk bit? Paxton Lynch would come in on the white horse. White horse. I will take you because – The white Bronco? <laughs> the white Bronco. I, I, I almost went with it one where they're not going to win a playoff game, but Greg had already had that. Um, th- I will take you because I think this is one aspect of the Broncos that people keep overlooking is how well they've been coached under Gary Kubiak. I think they're going to get to the postseason. From there, see ya.
Is Gary Kubek like an amazing coach? I think he's done a great job. I think he has a done a, a really good job. I will he's take a bum, you. I love. I will take you up on that. And wait, so two, so two teams have to make it too. That basically, and the Broncos aren't one of them. Great division. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm going a little more details than I should have, but I did that more for presentation. <laughs> you want to let me off the hook and just make it the Broncos? Well, no, you can no, see no, why no. I wouldn't be but, clear on it. No, I'm the just two asking. teams is key. I literally okay. was just asking. Because the Broncos not making the playoffs. Well, you're putting them in third place in the division. Sure. All right. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, two teams will make it, which will be Oakland. It'd be very City hard the, then for that Broncos not to won. happen. This one's tough. Mm, Interesting. I'm going to take it just for gits and shiggles. Okay. <laughs> like, who would, pa- who would pass them? The Chargers could. In theory, the Bengals or Steelers, I guess, could. I, I like the Broncos. I, I give the Broncos a better chance to make the playoffs than the Raiders, even, af- does, even after that game. I have Simeon more faith. right now on your QB index? He's low, 24. Thanks for the plug, too. Comes out on Wednesdays. I think he's 20. A lot of high-octane content. Well, of- 24 is higher than their quarterbacks were last year. Exactly. But is their defense as good as it was? 25. No, Here, here's what not. I'd say. It's it, At this point in the season, like I can see where you came up with that, but Denver – and their players know how to play well in November and December. So I'm not – I can't count them out yet. Taking you on it. Taking you. I like right. the Broncos. See, that's – you know, that's six for six on onion takers. Greg, you need a good one. You need a real good one. Oh, you Don't try to peer pressure me into just <laughs> losing some sandwiches. I'm going to throw out the weakest one you've ever seen and win this whole thing. Okay. No. It's an, exper- <laughs> it's an experience That gambling. was too real. That was too real. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about the cow? He had a problem. He overcame it. Now he's dipping right back (laughs) into dark territories. Cowboys don't win the NFC East. What? Why why would you say that? I'll take you. Just because you guys are pressuring me into something far-fetched. Oh, don't do that. No, 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 no. Don't do it if you don't want to do it. I want to do it. I was thinking what's something that's a low low percentage that I could see happening. That's the Cowboys not winning this division. I like it. I'll take you. Thanks for the sandwich. I'll take it. So the all right. I mean, I do believe that they will play all 16 games. I mean, they're two which games. is more than Mark has guaranteed <laughs> us. Well, first of all, that's not more because I have teams playing at least 18. Oh, interesting. So there's no. Well, I don't even want to go down that road. What did you call it? A societal disruption? Not in my official sentence. We don't need to go back to that. You <laughs> well, all took it. me on it. We'll see what happens. No, it's, it's interesting Laugh today. Laugh now. Giggle now. It's interesting, Mark. You sound like an evil Are we get, You're not giggling, get though. Get your giggles in. As NFL employees, should we go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, exactly. We have to We have to send credentials in, background checks. Are you so confident in this that you're, you're not even going to send uh, your information for the credentials or, or anything? Are you going to have family members? At told the you nobody would win. Mm, that's true. It's different. Maybe we show up for the week. Nice week in Houston. It's a tie. <laughs> the Cowboys are two ahead in the lost column. The players sit out out of protesting police violence. Over the Giants and Redskins. Three ahead of the Eagles. Only eight games to play, folks, for all these teams. Well, you wanted an onion hanger. No, nah, it's a good onion hanger. I'll, t- I'll take you on it. I'd be really surprised if the Cowboys uh, lose more than five games. That's a walla walla. That might be a Walla walla <laughs> is a big onion. Uh, giant sweet Spanish onions are good. And a red zeppelin is a big uh, red onion. So you're talking Cowboys collapse because if they go four and four, they go uh, uh, eleven and five, and that I think that would be good enough to beat any team in this division. Yeah, Cowboys collapse collapse combined with another team in the East absolutely Surging. blowing up down the street. Well, we know if they lose two games, Romo's coming in on the white horse. White horse talk, according to Greg. 
two games and Dak's gone. Mm. Yeah, right. I, I, I felt more confident in Romo starting their playoff game. Mm. But I like this anyways. <laughs> Good sandwich props, everybody. Mark, did you have something you wanted to share with us? Now a word from our sponsor. Hmm. Starting to wonder if there's more to life than pulling yourself out of bed, brushing your teeth, combing your dumb hair, floating to work, listening to the same songs, sitting in the same seat in the same cube, in the same office where the same drones drone on from 9 to 5 before you finally drift home to eat yesterday's leftovers and get hammered on a low-level bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. Blanc. These are the days when it's impossible not to remember Jan Tinbergen, the humble economist born in The Hague, the Netherlands, at the dawn of the 20th century. It was Tinbergen whose worldview was sealed as a young child when the family mailman invited him along on his rounds, revealing to Tinbergen a surrounding world of deep poverty in the streets and vistas beyond his cozy home. Those images would haunt him as he grew into adulthood, leaving Tinbergen to use econometrics to spur the blossoming of industrial worlds among the poor, ideas and images that crescendoed with his publication of Warfare and Welfare, a 1987 think piece that sent portions of Eastern Holland into a dangerous fever dream. Now back to you, sitting with your collection of corporate work friends outside office headquarters. Just 12 minutes left in your sad gray lunch break. Yes, you can hear your task-oriented co-workers chewing on their cheese sandwiches and drinking psychotic tubes of milk as you slowly drift away to the sweet memories of a place beyond you, the forgotten Dutch Golden Age. Will you poss- what will you possibly do next? Sit quietly in your lifeless, law-abiding cube farm? Drift through life as just another narrative-accepting puppet of the lizard elite? Wait around quietly until death takes you? Or will you finally rise up and set all of Northwest Holland on fire for the next 3,000 years? Sign up for Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands, today at www.flameclass.com. Mr. F. It actually outlasted the song this time. The song in the background. Yeah, the background song. I can see how taking a trip with your local man-man could change your worldview. I can understand that. You did that as a mailman and a youth. Well, I mean, you go into some harsh neighborhoods. You see how the other half lives. I can see how that would change your outlook. Did you Did you take anything from that, Greg? I, I took a lot from it. I took a – the Mark has a a way with words. A, Is uh, Mark the right – I didn't know just we, sent to who us. was the copyright. Oh, sent to us. Well, just the way he reads it. He could yeah. be a voiceover type of guy, certainly. All right. That, I mean, if that doesn't implore you to uh, – to attend to Mr. Flame's right. class. The, the, the takeaway is that my, Mr. F is getting his money's worth. Yeah. All right. Thursday night preview. The Cleveland Browns are 0-9, and, 9 and uh, they're looking for that first win, and they now travel to Baltimore to face the Ravens, who, uh, on the strength of their surprise victory, well, surprise to some, over the Steelers, are now tied for first place in the AFC North. Um... Chris Wessling. <laughs> I don't know how to get into this game. Wes, what do you think about this one? Well, is this another trap game? I don't know. I mean, they all are with the Browns. Everybody look out for the Browns. They're a sleeping giant. <laughs> what is this narrative that I, you're creating? Just, I, Dan, no. Dan's really been upset lately that he thinks the Browns get too much credit, too much love. It's too, all about the Jets picking. game when everybody was picking the Browns. Oh, it's not about it's that Jets were one of them, and it, maybe that's when it really got on my right. radar. 
But it's been happening both before that game and since. It is heart of hearts. Including last week in Dallas, with Dallas, by the way, which I could not wrap my head around and, you know, 35-10 told the story. That, that's, that's fair. In his heart of hearts, though, there's a little bit of worry that I think if you're choosing one set of players versus another long term, you might go Browns over Jets right now. Jets got a tough draft, little rebuilding. Draft, yeah, maybe. Draft booty included? Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, that to me that has nothing to do with it, but if I had to change the <laughs> roster, I don't know, maybe the Browns. But the Browns everything always seems to go to hell anyway. So, how do we know the Browns have a good <laughs> roster right now? Like you go crazy, you're trying to get me to go crazy about the Browns again. No, it's no, nothing, not. nothing more to learn about Thursday night's game. No, this is a terrible matchup for them because Brandon Williams and Timmy Jernigan and Zach Orr, Connor's cousin, has been playing outstanding and if you, if you can't run the ball when you're the Browns and they haven't uh, for the last month, for the most part, uh, they were third and eight, third and nine with Cody Kessler, and you saw how that worked last week. It's not going to work. He was a little trigger shy last week, well, which, I, which I, is a concern. I wonder why, because he's been battered in every game, which brings us to the second big issue for Cleveland, which is their offensive line. Well, it and, certainly doesn't help when the first-round draft bus center gets kicked out of the game in the first quarter. By the way, when he has played, he's not looked like a first-rounder. They, they, said, they let bus. Alex Mack go – and their fill-in has done not done the job. And we haven't even gotten to their defense. Well, this will be an interesting matchup. A Ravens team that had no interest in running the ball for eight weeks and then tried to run the ball in Pittsburgh and couldn't do it. Can they be? Can they finally get a running attack just because they're playing the Browns? This is, the, this is a big weakness on weakness. I've been amazed how bad the Ravens' offense has been. It's gotten worse during the season. It was better in September, and it's gotten worse and worse. You would think everyone gets healthy against this Cleveland team. They have some players going for him. Steve Smith kind of looked like his old self. Mike Wallace is playing pretty well. Their offensive line isn't bad. Terrence West, we like. It's like they should be better than they are. Dennis Pitta scoring two touchdowns here. I mean, I, Dan, I get what you're saying. I think early in the season, Cleveland played teams tight. That yeah, was not an illusion. Two wins and that was at a time weeks. where everyone was like, Cleveland's a disaster, and people were at, who were watching the Browns games were saying, actually, they're hanging in these games. And they very nearly beat the Ravens the first time out. I don't see that over the last three or four weeks with Cleveland. Well, we, Their defense is an absolute disaster right now. We tend to focus on offense, and their offense overall has been a little better than the Ravens' offense this year. But the defense is just so bad that – Kills it. Yeah, and the Ra- the Ravens defense in Baltimore has been as good as any home defense in the league this year. They just shut down the Steelers for three quarters, and and I think if you're the Browns, all those draft picks they got, they had a, a few of them have to go to safety because they have the worst safety play in the NFL. Um, does anybody pick the Browns in this game? No, no. Do so at your own risk. Are no. you? No, I'm not. And I want to make it clear because the the both the Browns and the Jets and the Pats get tied to the people in the podcast studio who root for those teams. I want the Browns to get better. I want them to be a playoff team again. I want uh, Mark to be happy and the Browns fans to be happy. Uh, but, you know, let's start winning some games before we start giving out they're, credit They're a to long the way away, and I think even people within the building said this would be the hardest year, and I don't know how you could script a tougher start to the season what's, if we're still in a start territory. What's their record this season at the end of the year? I'd go one and fifteen. Yeah, and that gives you the number one pick. Maybe. And it keeps you away from infamy. That's almost like, in a weird way, best case scenario. Although with the Forty Nine, I don't know. The Niners are candidates. Oh, that's true. You never know. They don't play, right? They do not. They played. That would be amazing. They played last year. 
That would be a great. Right. Well, I always thought I liked Sheck's thing where didn't, didn't he have the theory that the, the two teams, the worst teams, should have a first round pick playoff game? That right, would be the winner gets the, the pick. loser, right. the toilet bowl. I think he calls it. The winner of that game gets the number one pick. Love it. Wow, it's better than when the year the Buccaneers tanked on purpose and nobody cared that they did that. Mm. Hey, what about the Colts? I don't think the Colts. I think the Colts were genuinely that yeah. bad. They they Curtis Painter, Painter was involved. They Probably. won some games at the end of that year. They won a game at the end of the year and almost blew it. Um, all right. There you go. Primetime game. Baby names. Let's hear them. Oh, no. Them. Who's holding down the fort in the chair? The old big chair on Thursday. I believe we will have uh, Connie Fox. Mm. Oh, yeah. Colleen Wolf. Highly capable. <laughs> great job. Does a great job every time she's asked to. Just like Connie Chung. And perhaps... Hillary Rodham Clinton. An evolutionary Connie Chung. <laughs> All right, baby names. I'll throw one out. How about this? Don't tell me that there's not going to be a baby or anything weird like that after the Super Bowl <laughs> prediction. No, not I at can't all. Take that. No, no, I societal. You're going to have a wonderful, a Alien. wonderful baby, and you have a. A, 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 a fantastic son named Jack, who we've all met and we and we love him. <laughs> He's a good boy. So how about? Instead of all this rigmarole trying to come up with a second name, you go Jack 2.0 automatic update with improved applications and usability, Hansis. It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. <laughs> and also, how does Jack 1.0 feel about that? Because isn't in, in technology parlance, wouldn't the 2.0 be superior to the original model? I think any older brother or sister has to deal with the fact that humans are always evolving. So the younger <laughs> brother or sister, despite <laughs> all the things they lose in life, out you know the, the, the younger version is always going to be a little bit, got a little bit of an edge on any older sibling. And what about for short? <laughs> are they just Jack One and Jack Two? That's or up just to you one guys. and two. I don't want to control you. That's up to you. I'm and kind of like one and two. That's great. For short. All right. I, I I'll run that by Emily. I promise you that. Wes. This is a strong Nordic name. I mean, I think it flows well with your last name, but you might not like it because it went out of style around the 1880s. <laughs> but <laughs> Roscoe Hansis. Roscoe. Ooh, I Roscoe. like that. You've got some, you know, Roscoe Parrish, the former Bills punt returner, you know, yep. Roscoe Tanner. Roscoe Chicken and Waffles. Yep. That's what I'm saying. There's a landmark place. place in L.A., Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. We could take him to Roscoe's every birthday. He'd Edwin that. R. Murrow's <laughs> middle name is Edwin Roscoe Murrow. Roscoe Hansis. Okay. I think that flows well. Bring like it back. It. I think you can bring, bring it, back it back in the stock. You sure you don't you want to save a, that for yourself? You, you're a bringing it back kind of guy. I bring things back. I don't think Roscoe Westling goes as well as Roscoe Hanses. Mm. Like the, it just, Roscoe Hanses the O flows good. into the H. I think it, it does well. One, one like potential it. blockade, Emily. Again, I every all of these I appreciate right. and will run by my wife. Okay. I, that's all I can say. I have, I'm not feeling so confident about her. Well, it certainly has <laughs> a better chance than Mark's. <laughs> Right. Well, Marks I mean, comes I, from a dysto dystopian future. I mean, I'm actually going with a name that you guys already approved. That's true. Logic. I, I want to hear more of theirs. Their their sounds better. All right. Does anybody There's else no have another bits one? That can Mark has this. a few. I've got. That's my only one. Here's one. All right. Last one. Friends? Question mark. Overrated sitcom that probably went out went on three seasons too long, or maybe not. Question mark. Let's discuss Hansis. <laughs> um. Okay. That's a weird one. Yeah, and I don't yeah. want to have. Yeah, that's a weird one. 
The others are plus. I come to I I believe Friends to be one of the best sitcoms of the night. I know it's important. So to I you. don't want to even open up that debate to people who will be critical of a sitcom that I quite enjoy. I thought it would put you in a place where you'd sort of be a champion of that debate from yeah. now until the end, and your son would carry on and carry it on after you. Mm. You're that one is, of the few mm. people I know that vehemently defends Friends. Uh, you know, but it go that far, but well. I would play favorites at the old Hans's mm. Manor. I would just like Jack better than the Friends kid. You know what? I just I just thought about, about Will and Grace Hanses. It's <laughs> an option. What about a, a name that's pu- bubbled up in this room a few times, but I don't really see out there much. Legary. Legary Hanses. That's great. That is Greg. So you don't doubt yourself. That could be a winner. My brother Nick that's would great. love that. Legary Hanses. I like it. Which could even shorten further just to La G. <laughs> and it wouldn't be like, for instance, Jack isn't on his birth certificate. It's Jack. It's not John or anything like that or Jonathan. Uh, the show's I, still going, right? This so wouldn't be LeGarrett. <laughs> this would be LeGarrett. Oh, you started LeGarry. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's his name. Yeah. Do you have anything else, Mark? Time to wake up, Sydney. Uh, I'll, keep, I'll send mine privately to Dan later, the rest. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you, uh, guys. I will promise. I promise you, they will all be run by. Honestly, I feel like well. Roscoe's got a pretty good chance after seeing the other one. <laughs> hey, well, I kept my best stuff, you know, <laughs> under wraps. We'll be back on Thursday, uh, where we will recap. Uh, oh yeah, that concludes the Brown Ravens preview. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday uh, night, late Thursday, uh, where the scientists will recap that Browns Ravens games, and then possibly. The Connie Chung of NFL Media, Colleen Wolf, will be in my place, in my chair. Uh, Pretty sure. Leading the show, uh, previewing all the games to come in week 10. Here we go. So hold down the fort. We wish you luck, Dan. Yeah. And Emily. Connie Chung, Connie Fox. It actually all ties the. Oh, there we go. There you go. All right. Thanks, guys. Stan Hans is signing off for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass. Dope Thursday. What is this Trump situation, by the way? What do you mean? He's running for He's president. He's running for president, Dan. Um, oh, the the Belichick thing? You got, you, everybody got their bits out? <laughs> <laughs> he, he possibly. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.